Celsius to humidity 88%. The news from RTHK. Good morning. Welcome to Back Chat. I'm Danny Kittings and your guest presenter this morning is Mike Rouse. Good morning, Mike. Good morning, Danny. On today's Back Chat, we're looking back at Chief Executive John Lee's first year in office and ahead to the challenges his administration will be facing over the next 12 months. It's been a busy year, dominated by the lifting of all COVID-19 restrictions and the resumption of quarantine-free travel with both the mainland and the rest of the world. But there have also been many other challenges, from housing to labour importation to reform of the district councils. And the coming year looks set to be equally challenging, with the Chief Executive vowing to implement Article 23 legislation and the continuing controversy over the future of the Fanling Golf Course. So how do you rate John Lee's first year in office? And what should his administration be focusing on in the coming 12 months? Later in the programme, we're going to look at ways to protect ourselves from increasing AI scams and deep fakes. Let us know what you think on both topics. You can leave a message on our Facebook page, Backchat on RTHK Radio Free, or email us at backchat at rthk.hk, or give us a call. The number there, 233-88266. Our guests in the first segment of discussion, uh, we have Alan Lung. Alan Lung is co-convener and board member of the Path for Democracy. And we have George Calfoli, who's a Hong Kong-born veteran uh, businessman. Uh, good morning. Uh, welcome uh, to Backchat. Uh, George Calfoli, maybe let's go to you first. Um, there's, there's a lot, I mentioned a few issues there, but there are many others. There's a lot to unpack over the last 12 months. Um, if you have to pick out just one or two issues for judging the chief executive's uh, first year in office, um, which, which, which issues stand out to you? Oh, good morning, Danny, Mike, and Alan. Um, I think probably the first issue, uh, probably which would stand out for everybody, um, is, is the question of uh, uh, relaxing the COVID uh, restrictions. Um, he moved pretty fast on that, although I think uh, he could have done it perhaps two or three months, started it two or three months earlier. But certainly I think people would give him uh, a, a good mark um, for how he handled COVID and brought us back to norm normality. Um, I suppose um, the other thing people will look at, of course, is his district council reforms. Um, uh, I think... Uh, most people probably won't give him good marks for that. Um, I think people will think um, that has been a backtrack uh, on, on democracy. Although one has to say um, that the, the pan-democratic camp themselves somewhat shot themselves in the foot um, in their behavior after taking over the district councils. So perhaps, you know, they, they, they take some of the blame. Um, but I think, um, personally, I think that was a, it was a retrograde state, though I'm pleased to see that Paul Zimmerman came out with some proposals as to how under the new regime um, it could it could be improved, the, the workings of the district councils could be improved. Uh, um, I think those are probably uh, two, two of the main things that come to mind initially. George, what about the democratisation aspect that you, you flagged up yourself? I mean, it is a, a long way back, isn't it? Yes. Um, well, I mean, Let's look at it in another perspective. Um, one of the problems of the basic law was that the government uh, never had a say in the legislature in terms of there was no government party. So that always gave them a problem. Um, now, since Alan's on the call as well, um, I just go back to um, 2003, 
when James Tien had to step down or resign from Exco and Selena Chow took over. And Alan and I went to see Selena. And one of the uh, things I wanted to put to her was a proposal that she and Chanyok Singh, who was also on Exco, uh, those two represented two major parties, should try and persuade C.H. Tung to actually work together with them, not to expect them to follow him, but actually craft a manifesto together with them so that he could move forward with policies where he knew he had a core support within LegCo. Well, I think uh, John Lee, or under John Lee, that problem has been largely resolved in terms of the government now appoints LegCo, pretty much. Um, and as you serve um, at the mercy of the, of the chief executive, uh, you're not going to give him too much trouble. Well, so, you say the government appoints LegCo. I mean, there's still elections. I know the, uh, the, the nature of the elections has changed substantially, and the, in many constituencies, the size of the, uh, the, the, the franchise has shrunk substantially, but there, there still are elections, and there are multiple candidates, and um, uh, some lose. Yes, yeah, but I mean, overall, uh, I think the government has a, a pretty good majority um, at its disposal there. Um, and, and uh, of course, that makes for more efficient government, as, as of course, does the, uh, do the reforms for the, the uh, uh, district councils. Now, whether efficient government means good government is another matter. It's the question of what policies you have. And I think this is another issue that, that successive administrations have faced ever since 1997. Right. They've never been able to put together a competent executive. <laughs> now... We have to see uh, over the coming uh, four years um, whether John Lee has been able to achieve this. Alan, uh, what's your take on the first year of our chief well, executive? Uh, 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 hi, hi, George. Hi, uh, <laughs> long time no see. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, John Lee's basically said uh, in South China Morning Coast yesterday that he's vowed to action, he's results-oriented, He's pragmatic to problem problem solving. We actually had a very close had a, had a close encounter with him at his office. We we get to see him part of a democracy. Get to see him on the one country two system index almost twice a year. It has been going on for for quite a while already. Even with the last chief chief executive, and the half hour meeting extended overextended by forty five minutes and. He talks a lot, and he came across as a very good listener, and he, he seems to understand every word we said, we said to him. And he come across not as someone who knows everything, like your typical AOs and so on. And he seems to understand politics, like uh, he understands what is soft power, what is political capital, you know, what is a... You know when he when he, he he in his words when he do stupid things, uh, he lose marks. When we do good things, he gain political capitals, and he even asks for critical comments. My overall observation on the CE is that he did well in his first year, particularly in his moderate approach in keeping Hong Kong as an international financial center intact which is very, very important because Hong Kong, this is the key thing about Hong Kong, key value to Hong Kong, to uh, China now. Right. And he's, he's, he, he's, 
you know, his good work is actually reflected in his popular popular uh, personal popularity index, which is which has been rising. No, oh, it yeah. rose and then it fell again. Um, just yeah, over fifty, we, I think. We, yeah, it's it's it's, we, come, it's come back down. Um, we, I'm just looking for the figure, but fifty three, I think. Yeah. It rose before it came back down. <laughs> so um, this is. Uh, when we saw him, he, it hasn't came down yet. Uh, it's very interesting. Uh, you, you were saying he's not your typical AO. Uh, oh, he's not. He's not from an, a particularly an AO background, is he at all? I mean, if you look at his his background, he's different from previous chief executives. Previous chief executives have been either businessmen um, or or AOs. We've never had a sort of police officer as uh, chief executive before. Yes, we we had two businessmen and two AOs, and according to my contemporaries who who knew him. Uh, when he was a junior police officer and has worked with him. And the, their explanation was there's quite a lot of competition from anybody's rise in the police force from the rank of senior ex, uh, chief inspector to the rank of assistant com- commissioner, which is very unlike in the uh, AO ranks where there's virtually no no competition. This could explain... Why, uh, you know, he's he's a policeman, but he could be also be classified as a uh, professional grade officer. So, you know, his, his he's right for the time. You know, he, the, the time needed is security, and this could explain why why he's different. That he's a professional grade officer. Right. But what do you think he did particularly well, and anything you think he could have done better? Well, he he said he, his understanding. This is from public source. Uh, his job is security and development, well, which is not incorrect. Although, on he's been, I think he's been very measured in in his security measures. Like he's been saying very recently, if on on this uh, fake news law, and he said, well, if there's no need for a fake news law, then there's there, we better not have it. Which is a more balanced and not an you know, not an extreme measures, right. which is needed by Hong Kong. This is a good thing. You know, he's understand that the uh, moderation is a good thing, which is what Hong Kong Democratic Foundation is about. We're, we're very moderate people. Uh, we were. I, I'm no longer associated, but um, development. He saw it, which is correct. But I think he has missed the need to improve. Hong Kong governance, which is actually actually demanded by Beijing, and and and, and governance is, in layman's term, is knowing what the people wants and delivering the goods to the people. He sort of doesn't put that as a priority. And the other thing he has missed, uh, which is a key thing, he's very action oriented. But you know, as George said. Action can be a good thing or a bad thing if the actions go down the wrong strategies, such as excessiveness in in, in this security security measure, could hurt you know, Hong Kong as international financial status. Uh, international financial status. I mean, this five minutes to each of the thirty-four council of advisor doesn't is not likely to deliver a long long-term strategy. Right, and this is not. What I said, this is uh, noticed by mainland economists too, that Hong Kong need, need a, at least a 10 to 15 years 
long-term strategy, and we don't have that. Uh, George, looking ahead, um, what do you think are the main main challenges that he's going to be facing now? Well, I think um, I just want to go back a little bit first. Uh, another thing I think that he did well was to set up the chief executive's policy unit and put in charge of it someone who's very competent. Um, and I hope that that unit will actually seek diverse opinions. Um, and I think there are many ways of doing that. And uh, perhaps they can also uh, contract out some public policy research um, and contract that out uh, on a topic, uh, not just one topic to one uh, policy research organization, but contract out the same topic to several to get a variety of, of, of uh, uh, views back. Um, I think that was good. And I think also uh, what I would also give him credit for um, is his overseas travel and, and getting out there and, and, and leading. Um, uh, the, the fruits of that may take quite some time to uh, come through because of the world economy situation. Um, we may not get instant results, but at least he's trying. Um, so I'd give him, you know, uh, a good score on that. Um, of course, his, his challenges, well, his biggest challenge, I think, as far as the community is concerned, is the housing challenge. Um, and uh, while I'm a, a big supporter of the northwestern metropolis, um, I am not a supporter of having the Three Islands reclamation. Um, the numbers simply don't add up. Um, yes. Yeah. I mean, what we've been told... Um, is that north northwest metropolis will produce nine hundred housing nine hundred thousand housing units, um, and that the Kaisai Chow will produce anywhere between two hundred and four hundred thousand housing units. Now, if you look at the situation, um, you've got a hundred and fifty thousand families on the waiting list for housing public housing. You've got 100,000 single individuals on the waiting list for public housing. Um, you've got 220,000 uh, people living in subdivided flats. Now, if you add all those up, um, they, they come to well below um, the number of housing units the government's proposing uh, to, to deliver. But, but, so but you, George, the land isn't only required for housing, is it? It's also no, no, required for about, business. Yeah, yeah. I'm saying I'm not. I, but I think Northwestern. I mean, in, in, in that metropolis, they yes. made provision for 17 science parks. We yeah. only have one. Yes. Where are we going to get the people and the projects to put into 17 science parks? Yes, I, I don't think. You yeah, know, that's a very we, good question. We need some more, but we don't need 17. I have to be careful how I argue with here because I'm also <laughs> a big fan of Northern Metropolis and I think it's the one that deserves priority. Um, and, in fact, it then ca cancels the need for doing silly things with sporting facilities. And let's follow up on this issue of housing because that, that's something that a lot of people talk about when they look back on John Lee's uh, first year. And, um, Alan Lee, how about his plan for these light public housing units in, in, in Kai Tak and that um, it was supposed to be this quick fix to the public housing solution and then it turned out that they actually cost more than building ha public housing in other ways? Well, well, I mean, I think that if, 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 if you want a quick fix, uh, maybe money is secondary. <laughs> um, so, so I'm, I'm, I'm not too worried about that side of it. 
Uh, Alan Lung, where, where do you assess on, on the housing side? Because, because after well, all, this ha- is this is the uh, governance things uh, that is probably falling short. I mean, the I think one of the other things other than uh, central policy unit, which he has put back, uh, he also needs a political advisor. Now he has none. Uh, from the governors to all successive chief executive until uh, Carrie Lam, they all have political advisors. You know, perhaps even get get uh, Lao Tzu Kai back. You know, you, if you cannot find anyone, so he needs a political advisor. The other thing he needs to put back is his policy coordination unit, which was headed by actually headed by Carrie Lam was but was disbanded when Caroline became chief executive. Now, this accounts for the lack of coordination between different government units. I mean, the, the development people sort of promised that you have, uh, this is expensive luxury land, and uh, what about you know, making that promise to, to the property owners? Now, this is, this is the, the, uh, the, you know, the breaking of the social contract and to one side, you know, this is, I mean, the housing chief is, is not an AO, he's, a, he's an architect, but you still have this, I know everything, and you don't know, you don't know a thing, thing, thing attitude on, on governance. How about, so this is, how about this emphasis on KPIs? HSU, we see some of the reports saying that the sort of civil service complaining that it, it's now an endless succession of KPIs that they have, they, they have to meet. I mean, that's something that's very common in the private sector. We haven't quite seen a chief executive pushing it in the same way before. Well, KPI is actually very common in in, uh, in a single simple government too. I know because I tro- try to sell uh, software and to KPI software to Hong Kong government, and I know that Singapore government many years ago, like something like twenty years ago. I mean, our, our the the other agents, uh, our counterpart in Singapore is doing much better in in Hong Kong. I mean, Hong Kong SAR government has been resisting KPIs for many many years. And this is something. This Alan, is something. Uh, sorry, Alan. Is that, this is, is that uh, true? Mike, Mike Rouse, former civil servant. <laughs> I've been retired for fourteen years now, and I can remember KPIs uh, it was way Chris back. Pattern, surely. Yeah. yeah. You, you have you have performance management pledge, not the KPI understood by a proper government. Oh, with with number, no, we had numbers. We had real well, numbers. You well, must do well, this. Re- remember numbers. If, if it's those numbers are, are sort of inserted without care and good understanding of the overall situation, it can lead to the wrong results, which is why the, 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 the civil servants are complaining. I mean, it takes years and years to develop those KPIs. And you wonder why the Singapore government is not just efficient, they're deadly efficient, because they have been doing it for 20 years, and we've been resisting it. George, something we haven't really talked about so far is sort of the after effects of 2019, um, the ongoing court cases and indeed um, Article 23 legislation, which um, uh, the Chief Executive has made pretty clear it will be coming in the coming year. Um, where do you, wh- what are your impressions in that area? Well, I think, uh, of course, it's a very controversial topic even to speak about. Uh, um, but, uh, yeah, it's, I mean, I, I think... Um, it's very sad that uh, this whole uh, process of getting people to the law is taking so long and people are incarcerated um, in uh, 
detention centers um, for a long time. People have hanging over their heads the possibility of uh, criminal uh, indictment. George, that's one of the most common criticisms I get from overseas critics, that it's yes, there are a number that are locked up without bail, and a long time until the trial. That's quite a, a modest number. Well, of course, if you're one of them, it's a very serious issue. But <laughs> a much larger number. It's a very large number. Yeah. It's about six thousand. Yeah. Just don't know. Yeah. And that's one of the sort of socially destabilising things. I mean, I think I think an amnesty uh, really would do a, a great deal to uh, uh, help. Um, in terms of sentiment within the community. I think I mean, a, a lot of these people probably, when it comes to examining what they did, uh, didn't do much. Um, and uh, I think this is something that needs to be to, needs to be resolved. It would be good to resolve it. Uh, Sorry, Danny, what was your other question? Well, actually, let's, let's follow up on that point with, with Alan Lung. Alan Lung, your, your thoughts on this area? Well, a long time ago, we, we, we recommended a sort of a truth and record. Truth and, and Reconciliation commi- uh, Commission or Committee or something. Like the one in South Africa or something. South, South African style. That was wrongly rejected by, by, by the government. But I think this on this 6,000 thing, it's best to end it as soon as possible. I mean, this is this... I think there, I think there is some intention on the... Uh, that's just observation to, to end it. But it's, I think it's this bureaucracy that uh, bureaucratic procedure that is stopping them. Yeah, so, Commissioner John, of Police said in March that we were moving into the final phase yeah. of this, of wrapping them up, and here we are. It's a practical point. It's <coughs> a practical point, isn't there? That if you, after a number of years, actually comes very difficult to bring court cases on events, doesn't it? Witnesses' me- memories fade, and that's, so on. Well, that's right. The cross examination. I, I wouldn't uh, mind doing some yeah. of that myself. <laughs> I think I think it's just reductancy on the on part of the democracy. You know, they they don't want to to get into trouble themselves, protecting themselves rather than you know. Uh, uh, so the chief executive need to decide what is the best thing for Hong Kong. I mean, after all, when when the police force were fighting the the ICAC a long time ago, there was an amnesty. and those crimes were were much worse than what some of the people committed. Uh, in 2019, it, it should be. There should be. If there's no amnesty, just simply end it. If there's no not enough evidence to 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 sort of convict them anyway, just give it up. You know. Yeah, just, you're not really talking about an amnesty here. If you just decide not to pursue cases, that's not an amnesty. That's just deciding there's some um, uh, over the past or for whatever no, reason there's 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 not enough evidence or so to proceed with the case. There's, there's there's no no chance for the the government to win the case when when they're in court. Remember, the court is still quite independent. Uh, the, the the judges still talk talk down to uh, you know Department of Justice and, and telling them what to what what you know that, that their brief is not good enough. Go and do the do the brief again on this Google thing, on uh, this uh, injunction of of this uh, 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 fake nas- national anthem thing. Yes, I uh, think the judges are still a welcome area of holding waving the flag for the independent judiciary. And coming to that on this Google thing, I think this is. I mean, I mean, I I, I know that John Lee is is focusing on on uh, uh, PR, 
but he seems to have missed this point, and he should come. He should have coming, come up, come out at the very beginning. That you know, he, his only intention was to to drive this Google search to the top, and and this stopped the speculation. What are you trying to do? Are you trying to to sort of sanction Google all 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 over the world so that Hong Kong will not have Google, and then we may not have Facebook. We have you know, stop. He should have communicated properly at the beginning. I mean, the, the wider sanction against Google and so on is is not injunction against Google is not practical. I mean, the 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 Beijing government. I mean, the the PRC government since 1949, actually before. It's known for his pragmatism. Okay, thank you. There, we're going to have to um, uh, take a break there and actually uh, say good goodbye to Alan Leung, the co-convener and board member of Path for Democracy, and uh, George Calfley, a Hong Kong-born veteran uh, businessman who had been joining us in the first half of the show to discuss um, John Lee's first year in office and look forward to next year. We'll be joined by further guests uh, after the news, and do let us know your thoughts. You can uh, email us at backchatterrthk.hk. Uh, the weather forecast is going to be hot with uh, sunny intervals and a few showers. Maximum temperature will be around 32 degrees. Showers will be heavier in some areas with squally thunderstorms later. Currently, uh, the temperature is 29 degrees and the relative humidity is 81%. <laughs> it's 9.30. Here's the news with Ben Che. The convener of the Executive Council has praised the leadership of the chief executive, John Lee, in guiding Hong Kong out of the pandemic. Asked about Mr. Lee's record after a year in office, Regina Ip told RTHK the chief executive had shown the world that the SAR was open for business again. Police are warning the public to beware of scams involving new deepfake technology where scammers use artificial intelligence to replace someone's face on a video or mimic their voice. Officers said scammers had unsuccessfully tried to blackmail a man by using his face on a pornographic video. And the grandmother of the French teenager, who was shot dead by police on Tuesday, has made an emotional appeal for an end to the rioting, which has followed. We'll have more news for you at 10. In the past year, our current term government team have been result-oriented. We have led Hong Kong to break new ground and open a new chapter. We strive to enhance governance, work pragmatically and unite different sectors, enabling Hong Kong to ride out the pandemic, resume normalcy and shine again on the international stage. We implement patriots administering Hong Kong, enhance interactions between the executive and the legislature, improve district administration and jointly maintain social harmony and stability. We pursue economic growth, find new land and create strong impetus for development. We tell the world good stories of Hong Kong and spare no effort in attracting enterprises and talent. We care about livelihoods and earnestly address issues like housing, environment and transportation. We nurture our youth. Hong Kong will proactively integrate into national development, consolidate its position as an international city and make steady strides towards a brighter future. Welcome back to Back Chat. Uh, I'm uh, Danny Gittings, and your um, guest presenter is uh, Mike Rouse. In the second half of the show, we're going to be continuing our discussion initially about uh, John Lee's uh, first year in office. But later on, we're also going to be looking at the uh, pr increasing problem of um, AI being used for deepfake scams to um, get money out of people, uh, which uh, police say is a serious problem. If you have any thoughts on either of these topics, uh, you can leave a message on our Facebook page, Back Chat on RTHK Radio Free, or you can email, email us at backchat at rthk.h. 
HK or give us a call a number there 233 now Mike you you actually we're talking about John Lee's uh, first year in office you actually graded him I think B plus in the I uh, did and I'm in expecting the, well, let us say where in, in in the SCMP uh, that's not an A so um, um, what, what, what what dragged his rating down I think uh, the big one for me was the uncertainty about possible prosecution for the 6,000 cases that are still over. I had a couple of hints earlier in this year. The one that everyone remembers, I think, is the CP himself saying in March, you know, we're moving into the final stages of these cases. Well, if the, the evidence is either there or it isn't there. And, you know, what is the Department of Justice doing? Uh, what are the police doing? If the evidence is not there, call it off. Tell the people concerned, sorry, you know, you're, you're okay. I'm just thinking the effect on people's lives. I mean, there are young men and women planning to get married and there'll be families saying, well, you shouldn't go ahead with him. He might be in jail, you know, we, in six months' time. I, I guess we were talking about this before the news and saying, I mean, this actually shouldn't be anything to do with the chief executive, should it? Because, I mean, this should be decided by the Department of Justice and saying it's probably bureaucratic inertia rather than anything at the highest levels in government. There's something. It's, he is the chief executive. He can say to the commissioner of police, you've either got the evidence or you haven't. Now, call, draw a line yourself. Um, and same with the Secretary for Justice. Either it's there or it isn't there. I want them all resolved, one way or the other, and I want the people told so that they can get on with their lives, so that they can they can marry each other, that <laughs> they can talk about a career, they can talk about a family, all, all the things that are good in society, not just have this big question mark hanging over them. OK, uh, to continue on this topic of uh, John Lee's first year in office and looking forward to the uh, challenges in the coming 12 months, we're now joined uh, by a veteran political commentator, James Sung, who is also the founding director of Progress and Perfection Research Institute. Uh, welcome back to Backchat, uh, James. Welcome. Sure. Um, what, what's your impression? Uh, I mean, if you have to pick out just a couple of issues which you would use to judge John Lee's performance, what, 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 what do you look at over the past year? Uh, first of all, uh, John Lee is quite lucky. He's a lucky person because of the fading away of the COVID-19. So everything becoming uh, normal and recovering. Uh, so the social atmosphere it's much better than before, so it would be easy for him to carry out some uh, proactive policy to deal with some of the deep-rooted uh, social uh, contradiction problems like the housing. But I'm looking for the future challenges, okay? Uh, first of all, uh, the national security issue, this must be a big, uh, tough potato. Uh, the Hong Kong people need to remain vigilant against national security risks due to the rising geopolitical tensions. Everybody know that the uh, Russia-Ukrainian uh, uh, war, so it's still uh, coming, and even much more uh, tough. So uh, the national security issue, how to deal with that, how to tackle it better, for example, more transparency and uh, a better consultation process, let the Hong Kong people know what's going on. This is tough for the uh, uh, SLR government. Another uh, key issue is uh, the government should find a way to improve the bureaucratic ability to coordinate various units for interdepartmental big projects, uh, such as the 
fostering of the Shenzhen Science and Technology City in the northern area. This is a real big project. But uh, given the past record of the government, interdepartmental cooperation is really poor. Okay. So for such a big, big, big project, uh, the government have to find a better way to improve the, the capacity and ability of the civil servants. Finally, I think uh, I'm looking for a better training for the senior civil servant regarding the knowledge and skills of how to work effective and efficient with their mainland counterpart because the Big Bay Area uh, policy in many of the area is really uh, trickle and uh, difficult to handle given that uh, the knowledge of our civil servant know less about what's going on in mainland, okay. including... Uh, so this is another big, big, big challenge. Uh, the government have to tackle it well. Okay. We're, we're also now joined by uh, Regina Ip, Executive Council, Convener, and uh, Chair, Chairwoman of the New People's Party. Uh, go, good morning, Miss Ip. I mean, it's been, good su- morning. This has been such a packed year. I mean, if you have to pick out a couple of issues which you think uh, uh, really exemplify um, how the Chief Executive has um, performed over the past year, w- what issues are you looking at? Well, as uh, Professor Sun pointed out, John came in at the tail end of the pandemic restrictions. So he was well-placed to reopen Hong Kong to the world, and he's done a lot in that respect. He, he flew to the Mideast, Southeast Asia, and he's going to make more trips, you know, putting Hong Kong back on the map. We started hosting mega events again, and he launched many initiatives to tackle the housing problem. Light public housing, although came under some criticisms for not being cost effective, does help to shorten the waiting time and move people in subdivided cubicles to much better quality housing. And also relieving our labor shortage. I think the government has moved very quickly in the past few months to launch the um, global talent pass and the um, sector-specific labor import schemes, I think this is welcome, greatly welcomed by the business community and should help uh, uh, address a lot of the bottlenecks in our economy. There's some pushback now, Regina, good morning. There's some pushback Mm. now from the unions on the labor Mm. importation, isn't there? Um, Yes, but uh, the voices are much muted compared to the past. You know, I think... um, there, there's a lot of complaints from the business uh, sectors about the inability to hire people. Yes. Our airports, the capacity is limited because of a 20% shortage of ground staff. You know, the airport normally employs 75,000 people. You know, and our sector-specific schemes only allow import of 20,000 people. The government's policy is still local jobs for locals first. So I hope the trade unions will take that into account. Yeah, I mean, one of the shocking things for me was hearing the people from the airport authority and the airlines say, we can't put more planes in here because we haven't got baggage handlers. I yes. Mean, that's, that's absurd. <laughs> how, how can we revitalize Hong Kong as a global hub if we can't let more planes fly in? Yeah. Regina, what, what areas do you think uh, the chief executive needs to focus on now in, in the coming 12 months? Um, the economic restructuring, economic restructuring, balancing the budget, boosting the economy is very important uh, for the purpose of helping the poor. You know, we need more job opportunities. We need um, 
increase of incomes for our people. But uh, this is hard. This is uh, solving structural problems is the hardest. You know, Professor Soon talked about better coordination. Well, LegCo has done its part. We have introduced amendment legislation to speed up development process. We have created the, the post, the directorate post needed for northern metropolis. No, it's, it's now for government to push that ahead. You know. uh, earlier on, our other guests were talk, talking about uh, structural problems within government, saying that uh, John Lee doesn't have any political advisor, unlike um, previous chief executives. Uh, do you think there are any stru structural issues within government? Well, um, John has set up a chief executive policy unit, you know. It started operating just for a few months. But I think that the, he, he and the ministers have done a lot of hard work flying around the world. But I think the feedback I receive is the senior officials need to engage foreign media and consular officials more, you know. I know it's a, a very uphill to talk to foreign media because they have willfully you know, um, distorted what happened in Hong Kong for a long time, and Hong Kong's overseas image has suffered. But we still need to talk with them, argue with them, you know, and uh, make sure they report the real situation in Hong Kong. Yeah, there's certainly a lot of misrepresentation of yes. events in the second half of 2019, but yes. we, we have some bones in our throat when people point to uh, a couple of dozen people still denied bail and with a long time off for their hearing? Um, the, um, the, uh, the cases pending, firstly, because there are a large number of cases, more cases than the police and the prosecution have ever handled in Hong Kong's history. Secondly, some of the cases are quite complicated and the offences involved, like arson, assaults on the police are quite serious. I don't think the government can just grant um, a blanket amnesty that will send the wrong messages. But I know the police are working very hard to, uh, to reveal these cases. Yeah. We, we have seen some issues which suggest a slight sort of disarray or disagreement in the government over the past year. One, one is the golf club, which I, you have your own um, uh, yes. views on. And we, sometimes it seems like different people are saying different things. Is, is, that an issue, is that a particular issue or is that a symptom of a broader problem? I think that uh, the public debates, ongoing public debates on the golf lands, you know, resumption, has really taken... I can't speak for the chief executive, the, the, uh, the officials responsible by surprise that the opposition to land resumption is so strong. If you look at submissions to town planning board as well as the representations at the hearing, an overwhelming majority, not just golf club members, are opposed to land resumption. And the land won't be available for public housing at least 12 years from now. So why sacrifice this uh, century-old golf course, you know? Uh, this is mind-boggling. But the chief executive has said it's not his decision. It was the decision of the previous administration, and there are procedures to go through. But a new administration can, cha can change the decision of the previous administration. Well, I'm not a party to the discussions in Exco, so I can't... Uh, offer any comment on that. Yeah, I've got to um, declare an interest at this yeah. point because my yeah. wife uh, is a paid consultant <laughs> to the golf club and I did attend in my individual capacity the town planning board hearings and I uh, was 
adamantly opposed to a government proposal. Um, I actually used the word absurd okay, but Do you twice. have a question about this, Mike? Yeah, I, well, I'm declaring my interest at the minute. Um, I also need to declare my interest. I'm a member, but a retired golfer. Yeah. My membership cannot be transferred. <laughs> I have no pecuniary interest whatsoever. I, I don't play. I, I don't play and I'm okay, not a member. Mean. So mm. I, I don't understand the p persistence with this proposal with all the drawbacks that came out. There's a, a nationally protected... Yeah. Uh, Chinese swamp, is, swamp This is Cyprus? not just Hong Kong's golf course. This right. is China's oldest golf course in Asia. And golf is important to, to China as a sport. Chinese players have been winning in tournaments. Um, Regina, another issue which remains mm. controversial, and I think you've expressed rather mixed views on it. You mentioned Northern Metropolis, but you didn't mention Lantau, the Lantau Tomorrow uh, redevelopment, which was also a, a, a plan of the previous chief executive. Uh, do, do you think that should be revisited? I think the, the costs uh, of both projects need to be scrutinized very carefully. Regarding Northern Lantau, Development Bureau told us they cannot give us an accurate um, uh, um, estimates, you know, of the total cost until early next year. I think they're waiting for some consultancies to be finished. Likewise, with uh, the, the artificial islands, the cost of 580 billion mentioned is only the construction cost third quarter last year. So how much it would cost in future, given inflation and a high interest rate and all that, we don't know. I think we really need to move very prudently uh, on both projects, you right. know. The, the financing options details remain to be worked out. Do you think it's a good move, Regina, that we, uh, the CE has appointed this Supremo to drive the northern metropolis? So, uh, Supremo is a D6 officer, you know, head of the northern metropolis office, just like the director of the uh, new uh, airport core project office. You remember that? Yes. Nepco, yeah? I do remember. It's, uh, the equivalent at the equivalent level. You know, he does the coordination. I think the Supremo really should be Michael Wong as deputy to deputy financial secretary. And looking ahead in the coming year, we, John Lee has made clear we're going to have Article 23 legislation. It looks like we're not going to have a, um, a fake news law. What, what approach do you think uh, the government should take towards Article 23? Of course, you tried yourself something like now um, uh, 20, yes. 20, years, 20 years ago. Should they try and resurrect your, your proposals from 20 years ago or something completely different? Uh, my version is uh, part of it is out of date. My version was actually very mild, you know. Um, everywhere around the world, US, UK, Australia, Singapore, everybody's talking about national security first. And many jurisdictions have added new offenses to deal with um, offenses, national security offenses in the internet, you know. In our case, I think we really need to strike a balance between safeguarding national security and not undermining the freedoms pivotal to maintaining Hong Kong as a global business and financial hub. Do we still need our... I mean, we have a national security law, covers many of the areas in Article 23. Why is Article 23 law still, still important then? Well, first, it's a constitutional obligation. Article 23 says Hong Kong shall, on its own, legislate to prohibit seven 
national security offenses. Now, the uh, national security law enacted by Beijing uh, plucked the loopholes. It introduced the offense of secession and sedition. But the existing offenses on our statute books, treason and uh, espionage and uh, theft of state secrets, they are all very outdated. We inherited them from uh, English laws made a century ago. So I think we need a lot of updating, modernizing to do to take account of the latest uh, threats and the evolving situation. So you would favor a comprehensive Article 23 that covers all the seven items specified in the That's basic That's a law. constitutional duty but as yes. to how far we would go would depend on uh, an, assessment, an, an assessment of the, uh, of the national security risks uh, Hong Kong is facing. Wouldn't that then overlap with the national security law if, we, if you legislate um, locally on all seven? Well, I don't think we need to do much about secession and subversion already introduced in the national security law enacted in mid-2020. But we need to update the offences of treason, uh, espionage and uh, uh, theft of state secrets. Uh, and lastly, uh, the chief executive's hinted that he's rethinking the idea of a fake news law. And what are your thoughts on necessity or otherwise for that? I think he spoke very well. He said, um, if, if you, all you have is a flu, you don't need anti-cancer drugs. In other words, he's suggesting that our response must be proportionate to the problem, to the actual problem that we face. It's interesting, Regina, because I have a feeling that a previous governor reached a similar conclusion. It was David Wilson many years ago. Uh, he used different uh, examples, but pretty much the same thing. Yeah, um, I think the government was uh, very concerned about fake news, particularly during 2019 riots, when there were all sorts of fake accusations flying around that the police killed people in Prince Edward uh, Station. All floating bodies were attributed to police brutalities. But that has died down. Mm. And if the government could deal with these uh, uh, fake information with civil action, say by way of injunction, you know, then maybe we don't need new criminal offences. But Singapore has very tough criminal uh, laws against um, uh, online false information. Okay, thank you very much uh, for joining us. That was Regina Ripp, uh, Executive Council Convener and Chairwoman of the New People's Party. And you also heard earlier James Sung, uh, Founding Director of the Progress and Perfection Research Institute, both talking about John Lee's um, uh, first year in office. Stay with us. 95 years of public service broadcasting. Stay tuned with Hong Kong. I'm Gilly of Consumer Council. Happy birthday, LTHK, for your 95th anniversary. May I wish you always filled with positive energy, continue to discover and report accurate, impartial and objective consumer news for consumers to shop smartly every day. 95 years of public service broadcasting. Stay tuned with Hong Kong. You're listening to Backchat. Call us on 233 and have your say.
Welcome back to MacChat. In the uh, last segment of this morning's show, we're going to be looking at artificial intelligence, something that affects all, all aspects of uh, everyone's life, artificial intelligence, and particularly uh, the issue of uh, deepfake scams. The, the police have urged people to beware of scams that involve um, new deepfake technology in which scammers are using artificial intelligence basically to replace or alter or mimic someone's uh, face in voice or voice and audio. This after a case where somebody was uh, unsuccessfully blackmailed by having his head, head stuck on the uh, some, some uh, por- pornographic uh, pictures um, uh, to d- discuss the issue of uh, deepfake scams and um, how, to, how to avoid them. Uh, we're joined by Anthony Lai. Anthony Lai is the founder of Valkyrie X Security Research. Uh, good morning, Mr. Lai. Um, welcome to Back Chat. Yeah, good morning. Uh, how serious is a problem is this? I mean, we're hearing a few, only a few cases so far. No, I don't think it's a few cases. For you example, I, I and my friends every day can receive a lot of Facebook or Instagram, um, some kinds of friend requests, so-called friend requests. But when we look at it, when we're looking at them, those pictures, images are all uh, AI generated. And also some kinds of, uh, even uh, we receive some messenger for the, because you know, some kinds of messenger for the inbox, we receive, sometimes we receive some um, hack account of my friends um, their voices are imitated <laughs> by, 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 by the AI. So, and then I, I try to simply just call them in another channel to verify it and understand, oh, their, their accounts are hacked so that we, put, we are quite sure they are, they are kind of hacked and also those voices and messages are generated by AI for that. Right. Now, so it's, it's in, quite serious. It's <laughs> interesting that you say about the pictures because I also receive a number of those requests for so-called friendship on, yeah. on Facebook. Um, and <clears throat> some of the fakes is so obvious. Um, but why isn't Facebook and the other providers, why aren't they doing more to suppress this kind of problem? Uh, actually, then, uh, I just know that uh, for such kinds of scams, such kind of attacks, it happens at least over 10 million per day, globally. So they have no resources to tackle them. Even they can. You need to, it depends on the um, user feedback justin approach to let the people, right. the, the users to report back the, the cases instead of they actively to investigate or block it out. Yeah. How can the individual protect himself then? Yeah. So uh, when I, oh, okay, I illustrate my cases, two cases. It's generated, uh, the AI generated voices and even facial swap, okay? Uh, first of all, um, if you are feel doubtful, for example, your friend's not using the, um, the me- uh, messenger or the typical uh, social network channel to reach you out, you are better to aware of it. You are better to reach him out or reach her out back at with another channel, for example, just call her, call him to see whether, uh, to see whether it is from, from him or not, because um, it is hard to verify food electronically, okay? Right. Because so, you are not a company. You are saying, oh, you, you give me a code, you give me a, a pin so that I verify your identity. It is not bank and the customers. Okay, it's the same idea. Uh, I mean, right. the same idea the bank or commercial should check off it. Check, because, the, check the source. Yeah, yeah, share the source because when you do deepfake audio, face can be fake. So that's why you need to an alternative way to send an SMS code or or to just call him or call her to verify whether the source is legitimate. Another way is 
um, to see the frequency. It depends on the frequency or habit of the of your friends or victims to see uh, victim friends and whether they will try to use this kind of channel to, to reach you out before. Uh, so this is really uh, it's very dependent on the practice and uh, and the history of how you communicate with your friends. So most likely they will try to hack the, your friend's collection and 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 they try to at once their phishing attack. We call phishing. Okay, before we phishing is just simply just send up the message, the text only. But right now they want to convince you to transfer the money. Um, for example, last year, uh, not last year, this last uh, this these two years, the Chinese they transfer four four point five million uh, RMB dollars to his friend. Uh, depends on uh, it, it uh, because of the difficult of the facial web swap and also the audio because okay. he, he asked for that bidding in the yeah. option. So that's why uh, it will vary real to the general yeah. public. Okay, we so have, we, sorry to interrupt, but we have a caller, Anna. Anna, good morning. Welcome to Back Chat. Good morning. Good morning, everybody. Um, as, as a therapist, can I say this highlights a much bigger problem? It's not just AI. Me and my colleagues are seeing increasing numbers of people who are being blackmailed as a result of their activities on porn sites, webcams, and this kind of thing. It's not widely appreciated. And of course, people don't report these blackmail attempts to the police because of shame. So can I just say to anybody who finds themselves being blackmailed by anybody in, in a sexually explicit way, to please tell your partner, you know, your partner can probably take a whole lot more shame than you realize, and please report it to the police. That's my message. Otherwise, the anxiety, and ultimately, the suicides that result from this are off the charts. And really, we're heading into a big problem with this. And it's not charted because of shame. So, you, Anna, you think there are far more cases? I mean, Anthony was saying something very similar, that there are far more cases than we become aware of. Absolutely. And um, just anecdotally, from my own client caseload, I've had probably 10 in the last few months of, they're all men, but they might as well be women. One even on LinkedIn who got chatting to, a fake job application he responded and next thing he's for some reason texting pictures of his private parts back to this person and, and this is what people do online they go into a kind of trance of altered reality and they do crazy things and then the next thing that happens is you find they get the ransom demand okay. yeah it's true yeah it's true so that's why um the law enforcement and even the victim should try to tackle it um uh to seriously to deal with this uh, the attack for that. Okay, um, thank you very much, Anna, for sort of showing the, 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 the human cost of, um, uh, of, of these scams. Um, uh, Anthony Lai, and just in closing, um, this problem's only going to get worse, isn't it? Ah, uh, yeah. Um, you, mean, you, mean, you mean the attack, right? Yes. I mean, the, the, as, as, as AI technology gets better and better, then it's just going to get worse and worse, surely. Yeah, actually, because when the, because even Evinda, Evinda, the CEO, uh, in these few days to announce they can do the to provide the iPhone users can can make their own AI, so much more popular right now. So that's why then we have a way right now. A lot of researchers have done uh, the okay, I'm of the, sorry, of I'm going, I am yeah. going to have to cut you off there because we okay. are we are out of time. Thank you very much for joining. That was Anthony Lai, founder of Valkyrie X Security Research. Thank you for joining this discussion. And thank you, of course, Mike, uh, the co-host. Well, that was an interesting, interesting. discussion. Um, uh, back chat will be uh, back as uh, usual tomorrow. So do join us then.